Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, listeners, to Art Fair Radio. This is Connie Mettler of ArtFairInsiders.com, a social networking site for artists, and I'm publisher of ArtFairCalendar.com, the place to find the nation's best art fairs. Later in this show, we will be taking your calls. So if you want to write down this number, here it is, 805-243-1338, 805-243-1338. Today's show is a special one to support our mission of helping artists create the success they were meant to have by providing websites to share information and bring customers to the art fairs. That is my whole goal in life, is to bring customers to my friends who are the creative people. This is our fourth annual pledge drive, and in exchange for a donation, we have over 80 people who have ponied up fabulous prizes at our website, artfaircalendar.com, for you to win, including 20 free booth spaces from Colorado to Florida to Massachusetts, some terrific shows with a free space, not bad, and Flourish.com has donated a tent for our pledge drive, too. So anywhere on one of our websites, go click on the cake, and you'll get more information on that. Today, I am honored to have as guests two artists who have spent many hours donating their time, advocating for artists and art fairs, and have made many contributions to our business. Our topic today is artists, art fairs, and ZAP. Kathleen Eaton is a painter who has been exhibiting at art fairs for the past 30 years and has seen the transition from slides to digital jurying. During the past two years, she has juried two shows that use the ZAP system, one with the ZAP equipment where the images were projected onto large screens and one where the shows just use laptops for the jurors to view the work. She is also a current member of the Zapplication Oversight Committee and is writing a book about art fairs. Welcome, Kathy. How are you doing? Oh, just fine. Oh, it's great to have you here today. I, I always love to talk to you. We have to catch up, right? Right. <laughs> Thank you for taking your time today. Another artist who is with us today is Larry Alverson, who is a fine art photographer, who for the last two decades has served as an advocate for artists and the arts on both a national and international level. He was a founding member and president of the NAIA, has advised and consulted with many of the major national art fairs, worked internationally with arts organizations in Cuba, China, and Japan, served on the board of trustees of the Milwaukee Art Museum, and was actively involved in the development of ZAP. Hello, Larry. Thank you for being here. I appreciate appreciate so much you, both you and Kathleen, well, and myself, we were around when ZAP was first getting testing its waters, and I know that you were deeply involved in getting it developed. I'm glad you could be with us today with all of your fabulous information. So then we also have with us today Leah Charney. As Leah is manager of ZAP, and in this capacity she oversees the operations of zapplication.org, including overseeing 350-plus clients – 
and the 60,000 artists that use the system. She's also in charge of software updates and new program features and spearheads ZAP's outreach and workshop efforts, which include the annual Arts Festival Conference. Welcome, Leah. Thank you. Sounds like from that you have you must be very excellent at multitasking. That's a lot of <laughs> clients to handle. Yes, jack of all trades, right? No. Many hats, right. just like all, all of our artist friends. You have to wear many hats. That's right. Larry, between Kathleen and, and Larry and you, I don't think anyone can doubt that we have got all the answers here. Of course, I always have all the answers, but I'll let you guys talk today. So, so everybody listen tight. We're going to get some good information from our three panelists today. And I guess I'm going to, I'll start with Leah. Leah, what is ZAP? Yeah, well, I think most everybody is you know, familiar with, with ZAP. Um, you know, ZAP is the online application collection um, system. It also has a jurying component, so shows use ZAP to post their applications and then to jury them. Um, it is a service that is free for artists to use, so artists can create a profile and upload um, 1,000 megabytes worth of images, and the only fees that artists pay are actually ones that would be set by the show. So ZAP was created to replace a paper application process. So instead of having to hunt down, find the show, fill out an app, mail your slides or a CD of images, now you can log into your Zap account, upload your images, and apply to any of the 600-plus events that now use the system. I would say one of the greatest gifts of Zap to artists and the other digital systems is that it takes so much less time to prepare applications. That is a real boon. I remember my husband, when we were doing the shows, every day when he would come home, he'd always go out for breakfast, and then he'd come home, and he'd sit down at the desk, and he'd work on applications every morning. So this is certainly an advantage. Those hours get to go to something more fun. Okay. Larry, since you were there at the beginning, can you tell us how did Zap get started? Well, it was way back in 1999, I guess. Um, I was then the president of NAIA, and I went to the IFEA, International Festival and Events Association, and I came prepared. They had an um, arts affinity group where a lot of art show directors would come, and um, they would all sort of break off from the other parts of IFEA and, and focus solely on art festivals. And I came prepared with a, a, a universal application that I thought I was going to try and pin talk the shows into adopting so it would be very simple, very streamlined, and that the applications would be the same for all the shows. Because as you remember, Connie, when you when you looked at the prospectuses, you had to search for things, you had to search for who you wrote the check out to and all that stuff. So it was pretty complicated. Um, at that same conference, um, Anthony Radich was there representing Westaf by invitation from Booth Story from Cherry Creek. And he was making a presentation on, I think, Artist Register, which is another um, site that that Westaf manages. And it became kind of evident that, boy, this would be really great rather than have a standardized paper application. It would be great if we could go digital. Well, um, in December of 99, there was a really small group that got together in Chicago. It consisted of um, Anthony Radich, the executive director of Westaf, Matthew Saunders, who was um, their sort of tech guy, Sh 
Jerry Brown, the director of Bay and Arbor Street Art Fair, Stephen King, who was then with Main Street um, Show in, in Fort Worth. And Bruce Story was supposed to be there, but he was unable to attend. And then I was there as an artist representative and representing NEIA. Um, we started at that point sort of exploring whether or not this could indeed be something that we could make functional. Um, nothing really happened too much until about 2001 at one of the director conferences. Um, Anthony, I invited Anthony to come and make another presentation because as time was going on, it was becoming clearer and clearer to me that slides were going to be a thing of the distant past and not you know, the not-too-distant future. And so I was really kind of anxious to get people involved in this to try and get it going, and um, there just wasn't much enthusiasm about it. And then again in 2003 in Minneapolis at the director conference, um, I asked Anthony to come and make a presentation. And by that time, it was getting really close to Kodak wasn't producing um, uh, carousels anymore, and, and it was becoming really evident that something was going to happen and that we would all have to change somehow. And the biggest concern that I had and all the other board members of NEIA was what happens if we switch over to a digital system and each show has different specifications for preparing images, and then it would be total chaos, you know, because we as artists, you know, applying to however many shows a person applies to in a particular year would have to you know, prepare images to different specifications, send them differently, do everything. So it became really, really more readily apparent that having one sort of central, unified, consistent system would be the best for everyone, for both the artists and for the show directors. And in Minneapolis in, in 2003 was when um, the shows really sort of jumped on, and there was a group of shows that committed to partaking in this venture and... Um, we had some a, a bunch of meetings, uh, you know, all along where we were developing sort of a partnership structure, and we were trying to figure out how the system was going to be working. And then Matthew, the tech guy from from Westaff, he just put on a full court press kind of on trying to develop the coding and the software. And, and it was kind of fortunate because of the artist register, he was able to incorporate some of their coding into the system, so he was able to get it up and running much faster. Um, and it launched in 2004, and at the director's conference in Kansas City, it was shown to um, a number of the shows, and people started using it. I think the first show that actually used it was Austin, Texas, and they used only a part of it. And then Houston, I think, was the first show that actually utilized the whole um, projectors and the whole system. You mean Houston, Bayou City? Yeah, Bayou City. I'm sorry. Yeah, Bayou uh -huh. City Art Festival. Um, and so they were they were really the first ones to use it, and then these other shows that had been involved in the development um, had committed to it already, so we knew that there were going to be some using it. Lakefront Festival of Arts in Milwaukee was one of them that was using it, and Des Moines used it, I think, right away early on. And it was the, – the partnership structure was, I think, very ideal at that time. I mean, the objective when we started out, it was um, – and I have to give credit, a lot of credit to Anthony Radich from, from Westaff for sort of helping walk us through this because we had really three partners, if you will. One was Westaff. 
which I've always referred to as this application system when I'm explaining it to artists is, and, and I think this sort of simplifies things for those of us who used to send things in via mail, was that Westf was sort of the <laughs> digital post office. You know, we would once we sent our slides in and we put them in the mail, we were kind of done with it from the artist perspective, and right. then the post office would take it, send it to the shows, and that's kind of what Zap did. But the partnership arrangement was um, that we negotiated in the beginning was uh, sort of 51% representation of Westaf, which was a neutral, unbiased third party. And then there was 24.5% was going to be art fair involvement, and 24.5% was going to be artist involvement via the NEIA, which was really the only organization at the time that was of any significance in terms of numbers to represent artists. And so that was a really good um, blend, I thought, um, because the art shows and the artists had equal say. And Westaf was there to sort of implement and guide, and um, they insisted on having the 51%, which was valid in case there was any loggerhead disagreements, they could be the tiebreaker. And they needed to be able to have the, um, the ability to follow through on things um, at a pace that they needed to. So it was, well, it was really 50, a good 51% of what? 51% uh, of the involvement in the, the say in how things were going um, in, in the partnership arrangement of the development of that. Oh. Okay. And actually, it was okay. actually a business relationship. It was a financial investment as uh -huh. well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it might be good if I talked a little bit about Westoff briefly because it's a name that keeps getting tossed around that right. a lot of people might not be familiar that, with. Sure. Yeah, so, so Westoff is a nonprofit arts service organization. So um, when the National Endowment for the Arts was um, begun, the NEA established six regional arts organizations, and Westaf stands for the Western States Arts Federation. So in its inception in 1974, it was created um, to work in partnership with the NEA to provide grants and work with the states, the 13 states in the western region. Now, since then, Westaf um, has branched into being a leader in the development of, of web-based technologies that serve the arts field. So um, other technology projects that your listeners might be familiar with, Artist Register, Larry already mentioned, that was an online gallery and roster for artists and those seeking art. Um, art Job is an online job bank where uh, administrators can find jobs in the arts. Call for Entry is probably the one that most of the artists who use ZAP um, might have also used Call for Entry. It's also an application and jurying system, um, but that's usually more for calls for entry in public art competitions, galleries, things like that. Um, and then we also have a number of, of granting programs, Grants Online, Creative Vitality Index is a, a financial, it measures creative economies, and so cities can, can get reports about the creative health and vitality of their cities or states or municipalities. And then our newest offering is Public Art Archive, which is an, actually an online kind of museum of sorts of public art collections across the United States. So Westaf manages ZAP and is the, um, the leader and partner of Zapplication, but ZAP is owned by a partnership of nonprofits, um, so some art shows, and then Westaf. So. Right, that's okay. correct. And, and you can see from that explanation about Westaf why they were the perfect partner to have in this. They were the perfect people to go, um, go ahead with a project like this. Because they were a government arts organization, 
Yeah, they not have, we're not a government arts organization. Special. We're we're a nonprofit. Um, we were established oh. out of the NEA, but we're so not what, part of the. Oh, federal West Staff is a nonprofit. It's not a government organization. Correct, but okay. we do a lot of grant work with the National mm-hmm. Endowment for the Arts. So we work with with the government, but we are not a governmental entity. If that helps. Okay, so okay, so let's let's um, go through this a little. So. Larry, and you spent time with all these people, and you launched this, got launched, what, 04, you think is like maybe the first shows? Is that what you said? September of 04 was when it launched. Okay. And then from there, um, it just pretty much snowballed to my mind. Shows from the beginning now to Leah, you said you you have like 600 events listed. Yeah, or 600 partners. shows that are using no 600 shows that are using the Zap system. Okay, so it's it's snowballed up to that. Now here's one of the things that I remember that people saying that if it was listed on Zap, you wanted to apply because only good shows were listed on Zap. Kathy, what do you think about that idea? <laughs> I well, I mean not only. There are very good shows that are listed on the juried art services as well. It's just the good outdoor shows are on Zap. The good indoor mm-hmm. shows are on juried art services. Do I I think because um, the shows that were the first buy-in partners, Larry, uh, like Lakefront, Des Moines, Ann Arbor, what there were like six of them, weren't there? The first people to come in. That since those were top shows, that it was the artist's perception that any show listed on Zap you wanted to do. Is wouldn't you say that was what you would what thought, Larry? Well, no, I think the um, I, I think the approach in the beginning was that if you're going to start something, um, your the best bet is to have highly credible and recognized people involved with it. And that was one of the reasons. Plus, these were the people right. that first stepped up to the plate. You know, they were right. the ones, they recognized the potential in it. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, those, that's one of the myths I think that n- needs to be debugged a little bit about it was um, obviously there are 600 shows on it now. They can't all be in the top ten or whatever. So there are a variety of level of shows, which was what the objective was from the very beginning. It was never meant to be just exclusive to any number Elite. of shows. It, mm-hmm. Yes, it was right. meant to be more universal so that all artists on all level of shows, all shows could be involved. Right. Um, I think initially, and uh, Leah, you can correct me where it is now, but I, I know that there was um, there were at least two systems. There was like a system for shows that had more than 500 applicants, and there was a system that had you know, for shows with less than 500 applicants, trying to make it affordable for the small shows as well and make it reasonable and, and usable. Because, the, again, the objective, and, and everyone involved with it had that same objective. There wasn't anything um, that one side was pushing or the other one wasn't. It was to try and make a very simple, um, simple-to-use, efficient application system that would benefit right. both right. shows okay. and artists. So I, I totally understand the objectives and the ideas of how it was built. But then in practice, it worked very well. But then all of this, all of the change generated a lot of 
talk, a lot of discussion, and a, a lot of consternation. And I just I remember this people saying, "Well, if it's a Zap show, it's going to be good. It's got to be great, or it wouldn't be on their list." And so that's a show I should do. And then them being outraged when they got there, and it was an okay show, but you know it wasn't like they weren't at um, Bayou City or they weren't at Lakefront. They were someplace else. Yeah. To use Larry, I mean, I like Larry's analogy from earlier that you know think of Zap as the digital post office. It's a tool. You know, it's the same way you can use Microsoft Excel to make spreadsheets. And if you're really well-versed at Excel, you can make fancy spreadsheets that do lots of math and make your coffee, right? And and graphing and those kinds of things. You know, Zap is really, it's built to be a tool that can be used depending on your needs as a show. And be flexible because all shows are different. You know, we work in an industry that is very varied. You know, there are the, the Des Moines and the Cherry Creeks of the world, but there are also a lot of, of smaller, local, community-based festivals that attract a different audience and attract different kinds of artworks. And so the idea with Zap is that it's a tool. It What Zap has done is it allows artists to locate, access, and apply to hundreds of shows, which is something that wasn't possible in a pre-Internet world or was certainly more difficult in the early years of the Internet. On the converse, it allows shows, you know, to reach an audience of thousands of potential applicants. So I think it's a really, you know, it's a, it's a, it's hard to say, you know, all the good shows are on Zap. There are a lot of good shows on Zap, and it's not to say yeah. that all of the shows that are on Zap aren't good. They just might not be the right fit for you as an artist, <laughs> depending on. But you know what I'm saying? Price points, your do. your medium. You know, our our worlds and the artists in it are varied, and so are the shows to match those needs and to match those audiences. Okay, Honey, I think what you may be um, referencing here is in the beginning there was a certain amount of resistance to Zap. I mean, I know that personally because I think I was walking around at shows with a target on my back half the time in the <laughs> early stages. I mean, it's hard to think of this as being back in 2004, but there were a lot, a lot of people that were not Internet savvy. They didn't have, you know, the whole technical thing. They didn't want to go to an, you know, to have an email account and go to a computer now, I mean, when we look back in hindsight, it's it's almost ridiculous to think about how resistant some of these people were to the technology on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's very understandable. So I think that there were these sort of um, misunderstandings about Zap in the early years that I think most people, anybody coming into this into the profession now and using Zap, they don't. They don't think twice about what it uses. They don't think twice. That's right. Yeah, yeah. they don't have any idea. You know what? Right. It uses. At my website, artfairinsiders.com, I get uh, a lot of people who are new to the business, who are like you know, almost stunned, like deer in the headlights, because of all there is to learn. And I have people now and then who will say, "I'm just not going to apply to any of those shows where you have to do this digital upload. I'm just going to do the other shows." Kathy, what do you think about that kind of attitude? Uh, well. <laughs> They don't sound like they'd be terribly serious about um, about becoming a part of the business if with that attitude because um, I I can't imagine there aren't enough shows to make it worthwhile that are not on Zap. Right. Right. And, well, that um, and go on. Oh, I just wanted to say part of the resistance at the very beginning was no one was sure exactly how their images looked when they were projected, and there was a great deal of discussion about um, 
you know the the variables involved with digital images in terms of saturation and uh, color and everything else. And until those kinks were worked out, it was really a kind of a hairy process. Mm-hmm. Right. That there's been a lot of technical upgrades on on all of that. So, Kathy, you know, I've heard people say, you know, you and I, we've been in this business a long time. I can't get into any good shows anymore since Zap started. Zap has ruined the business. <laughs> so, can can you tell me? You remember how how you first found out about shows when you first started doing shows? Yes, we had this the Harris list and Sunshine Artist were were two of the ranking agencies, and those well the Harris list you hardly even hear of that anymore. And um, and then of course you heard about shows from other artists. But um, in order to get in shows, I mean, something else is going on. If you can't get into shows anymore, that's that's another issue entirely for artists. Mm-hmm. And um, it's there would be a variety of problems. Well, yes, yeah, yes. I mean, Connie, yes. do you mind if I if I step in <laughs> here? Mm-hmm. I just okay. want to clarify something that I think is is a myth. I wouldn't say it's a very common myth anymore, but I know it was in the early days. The ZAP system does not pre-jury, jury, or otherwise judge artwork in any way. And I want to provide your listeners with two what I think are pretty good resources. There are um, the Marion Arts Festival and Art in the High Desert. Both have really great blogs that are written by show directors. And if your listeners go to marionartsfestival.com or artinthehighdesert.blogspot.com, I think they'll find some great written resources from a show director standpoint, as well as um, the director at High Desert is also an artist as well. And these two women who direct these shows do a wonderful job of talking about, um, you know, ways that you can improve your, your odds ways that you can improve your body of work, think about what you're submitting, knowing your competition, you know, those kinds of things that that do allow artists to to continue to improve their odds. Because some of these shows, you know, the Cherry Creeks of the world, um, are, we're talking thousands of applications. And so if you don't know what your competition is, you know, these women argue it's going to be really hard for you to, to, to move to the top of the pack. Right. All right. Like so keep – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I would just like to just sort of clarify something in the beginning too, because we were very, very cognizant of, um, of, of you know, when we were discussing how the jurying was going to be done, whether or not, you know, because if they were on monitors, were they, were they color calibrated, and you know, if they were projected, was the the light source the same color temperature and all the projectors and all that stuff. That was meticulously gone over um, a million times to try and come up with a system that was um, very, very consistent. And the truth of the matter was, I mean, I think it was, initially it was probably more consistent than what slide projectors were. I mean, anybody who knows slide projectors, people would, you know, borrow somebody's slide projector because they would have to have five or six of them, and, and they varied. The color temperatures of the bulb varied and, you know, everything. So I think, if anything, it really um, made allowed for more consistency and, and better representation of the artist's images, given the fact that they had to prepare them correctly in the beginning, which was the same that they had to do with their slides. Right. There there was those few years of of transition that were really tough. When I remember when we started the business, there was Sunshine Artists had been published, 
But we, like Kathy said, we found our best shows by talking to the people at the shows. Word of mouth is still the best method. Then Sunshine Artists started publishing a 200 best list. And suddenly, everybody knew what the 200 best were, were and those shows started getting bombarded with applications, and everybody said, this, this is wrong, we're not getting in our shows anymore. And then Greg Lawler came along, and he started his wonderful source book, and suddenly was raining shows, and artists said, this is wrong, we, we're not getting in our shows anymore. And then and then Zap came along, and the other online digital systems, and What's, this is wrong. We can't get into our shows anymore. These people are ruining the business. And then on this site that I run, com, people will resign from the, the site and not come back anymore because we're giving away all the secrets. I mean, <laughs> what are we going to do here, guys? <laughs> this is- well, the artists, the artists have to understand one thing, and that it's all about the art. It isn't about, I mean, you know, you can you can try and, and game the system by figuring out how many applicants are going to a show or whatever, but, I mean, the bottom line is you have to be, in order to be successful and to get into the good shows and the shows you want to get into, you have to present them with, you know, knockout kind of art. Um, it, it, that's the bottom line. So it's easy to place blame on shows or on a system or whatever, but the bottom line is the quality of your submission and i don't care how good you are you're still not going to get in everything you know so you have to accept the fact that there's going to be a certain amount well, of um, the yeah. thing that happened though with each of these stages along the way it disseminated the information wider and more people had it so it did make it the comp- increase the competition well, i think one of the reasons why cherry creek has been such a success- successful event is because it's in the middle of the country and people can come from both directions to be there. Not that it isn't a good show. I'm not saying that, but it helps. All these kind of things help. Anyway, we're about halfway through our show right now. I'm, this is Connie Mettler, ArtFairInsiders.com. I, we're talking about application, and I'm speaking with uh, fine art photographer Larry Oliverson and painter uh, Kathleen Eaton and Leah Charney, who is the manager of Zap. If you like this podcast, would you please head to artfairinsiders.com and click on the birthday cake at the top of the page right now to make a donation to keep our websites relevant and continuing and to bring you the latest Art Fair info, artfairinsiders.com. So here here we go next. Um, what, uh, Kathleen, do you – what? Do you think Zap has changed the art fair business from when you started? Um, yes and no. I mean, as Larry said, I think you know the applications still rely on the quality of the work. I mean, we're artists, and that's what we're presenting to the jurors. And other, you know, whether it's slides or digital images, your work is still juried or judged on the on the quality of the work. But obviously, Zap has just made this enormous um, advance in terms of application process and notification process. The only thing it's taken all the fun out of getting your mail. When <laughs> you, were, you remember when it was when they, you know, you get these envelopes back with slides. You knew you were rejected, or if they had no slides in them, you know, then you were happy right. <laughs> How you thick is the envelope? <laughs> yes. Been replaced by right. email. 
Yes, <laughs> right. Yes, now you you look for that email at 12:30. You know, if there's a, a midnight deadline <laughs> on acceptances. Oh, really? So now now it's that's watch oh. watch the email, huh? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you can find out pretty much instantaneously. Yes. Yes, that's exactly. pretty cool. Okay. Well, Leah, what um, what kind of a relationship does a show have with application? What is, say, I am starting an art fair, and I come decide that I'd like to use application. What does Zap do for a show? Yeah. So. Um Shows our clients, just like our artists are our clients. So the reason that Zap's able to remain free to artists is because the shows that use the system do pay a nominal licensing fee. Those fees really vary depending on a show's size, their jury type, and other system add-ons that they may choose to use. Um, but what that does for us is, like I said earlier, Zap's owned by a partnership of nonprofits, so any revenue goes back into the Zap system, enhancements, you know, servers, um, or into, you know, the larger, you know, arts work that we do. Um, we do imaging workshops. Um, Westaf uh, does, you know, granting and other things throughout the larger arts field. Um, so what we do for our clients, um, you know, we provide this tool that uh, is very user-friendly. Um, when a show first signs on, they get three hours of dedicated training and a certain um, – person is assigned to them. We have a small team, but each of us are, are assigned specific folks so that, you know, if somebody um, has questions, if they need assistance, they need support, um, they're able to, to contact us. Um, but the system is really, is designed to be intuitive so that the, the users, be they artists or show directors, don't need to rely on us for tech support. Um, you know, one thing that I do want to make clear is that we don't set policies for shows, so each event, they create their own rules and regulations. Zap is a tool, so they decide the medium categories that they will accept. The show decides the application content, their date triggers, their fees, their jury process, you know, notification dates, um, refund eligibility. Those kinds of things are all still directed at the event level, so we don't you know, we encourage all events that use Zap to be professional and transparent and certainly ethical about their policies and procedures. And we do welcome, um, you know, I, I do have artists that contact us when, when there is, you know, an issue that is maybe, you know, a legal issue. But, you know, I would say that for the most part, you know, we, we live in a really blissful place where the shows are well-respected and have great policies and procedures and are transparent and professional and the artists really appreciate that I, I know you know some of the changes that we've made to the system recently have been to continue to encourage those transparencies so providing better tools for show directors to be able to provide juror scores and comments to the artists um, providing them with easier access to be able to talk about their jury processes you know questions that artists really want to know when they're sitting down and looking at event prospectuses and deciding which which shows to apply to. So if I write up a prospectus, I send you the PDF, I send you the whatever, you plug it into your system. You do no, not ma edit No, ma'am. No, ma'am. You get no. your own login. Uh, you set it oh, up yourself. I, I get to put it it's in. your oh, content. My you write it. You draft uh. it. You save early. You save often. You preview it. All you do is tell me you're ready to publish it. So that sounds like you're pretty hands-off. 
We can't well, blame again, you, you know, for anything. We're trying then. to be a, a neutral tool, as Larry mentioned earlier. You know, mm-hmm. that's by design. When when the when the system was conceived, the idea was to be a resource for the industry, not a, a police force. Not a police so force. You're not policing, mm-hmm. Larry. No, that that was part of the original concept too, was to have this sort of neutral third party out there that was neither a show nor an artist or art group or anything that was handling this and and that's why i like the digital post office analogy because the input comes directly from the shows for their prospectus the input comes directly from the artist with their images and their you know information about their you know contact information and all that um so west f really kind of is is like leah said it sets a tool and um and that's, I think, what makes the whole system work really well. Because there, there's no bias on Westaf's part. That's what I think people may, some people may have a misconception about that. They just, you know, they just take information from the shows, and they take information from the artists, and they exchange it. Right. That's, and that has been hard to get through some people's heads because, I, to my mind, what happened when the online application systems appeared it made it so much easier for people to apply to shows that applications bumped up because you could sit down in half an hour and you know get your profile up there and apply to several shows at once. I'm oh I'm online. Oh there's another one whose jury's deadline's coming up soon. I think I'll apply to that one too. So that would bump up applications for that show. And then this made shows harder to get into because there was more competition. Right? Kathy, what do you think? Yes? I I don't know. I juried the Cherry Creek show in like nineteen ninety three and then my and there were like twenty two hundred applicants and I think my Oh, husband, that would have been a slide jury, right? Yeah, it was a slide jury and then mm-hmm. in like about ten years later, my husband juried it, and it was the same. You know, no, it was the ZAP system, and they had about the same amount of applicants. You know, mm-hmm. I don't really know if that's true or not. I mean, it, if if it's harder for people to get into shows, maybe it is true. But I, you know, for some of the big shows, there might be a a top number. I think that oh, something right. did happen. Excuse me. I think that there was something that did happen at the time. I think that the initial reaction was what Kathy was alluding to. Well, oh, or, or you were alluding to, Tanya, I think that, yes, I can go online. Now I can apply to this show and I can apply to that show. And I think if 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 there was a resource of all the, the applications, in to, you know, each, we could compile, you know, something from all the shows, there probably was a bump in terms of the number of applications. But I think... People realized after a few years that, well, I'm shelling out all this money, and if I'm applying to a show that I'm really not likely to get into, you know, or on numerous shows, they're out all those application fees. Right. So I think there was a bump, and then I think it settled back down. So I don't know. Um, I mean, I have a little bit of experience with a few shows on the numbers, and I think it's pretty much like Kathy said. They, they came down. They may be up from where they were pre-ZAP, but it's not like they were after the first couple of years when there were the bumps. Right. But then that's because really in, hard to... In general, you just hear um, under the radar kind of show applications are down. So that could be. I do know when um, I was... Our, 
show director for Arts, Beach, and Eats, the years that we went online with Juried Art Services, that we had a nice bump in applications. Well, and I don't know that people. it really is, is always due to the, the ease of online. I mean, I certainly think that's likely a factor. But also, you know, just think about if a show has a bad weather year, that can affect applications. Oh. If they have oh, a great absolutely. sales year, that can affect applications. <laughs> if, you know, a new director can go either way. Sometimes, you know, if you have, like, I mean, I know um, – you know, you have a great director that's been a long-time director at another show, and they go to a new show, you might see a bump at the new show that year, or you might see a drop at the old show. You know, there's I, – I mean, I do think that there's probably something to the ease comment, but I, I wouldn't say that Zap is to be – you know, or other online systems are to be credited with with sole credit of <laughs> boosting applications because there's just so mm-hmm. much that changes in our business from year to year and, and event to event. Well, that's that's really pretty interesting because you're disabusing me of some of my notions. I, I think that, Kathy, your example of the Cherry Creek applications being the same like 10 years apart, pre-system and after-system, um, sounds about right. And that the number that you said sounds like what I've heard Terry Adams say is about the number that they receive. So, um, and Leah, you're, you're right. If they've had a good weather year, boom. Or or a show director. I've seen like a a popular show director move from one show to another one, and suddenly that show gets more applications. Right? There's so many things that can happen. Right? So that's that's pretty. And um, I know that you have sixty thousand artists in your archive. Does that continue to grow? Or is that when you started four years ago, were there 60,000? Is this some sort of a Goodness, base no. number? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, when we started in 2004, you know, we, we really, you know, started at the the beginning. But um, I would say that, that 60,000 60, is, is pretty consistent over the last few years. And remember, too, that, you know, we have a generation that's retiring and, yes. and newer artists that are taking over. So it's really... It's the numbers are staying steady. It's pretty cyclical, which is great given mm-hmm. the fact that general cha- generational change, you know, could have impacted us negatively. It's it's not the case for for our industry. We do have new artists that are that are coming in to shows. That's exciting. That is exciting. Um, well, and the other thing that I know is like my husband, who hasn't done a show since two thousand and six, has a Zap profile. He's so not there are people. I mean, there are a hundred something not? thousand. Well, not in that sixty thousand oh, no. number. He still counts. He's still. He, I've got a place for him right here in my heart. <laughs> Good. Um, the sixty thousand is the number of active users, which means somebody oh. who has logged into their account and/or applied to a show within the last eighteen months. So there, okay. there are a hundred something thousand profiles. So your dear husband Norm has a profile, <laughs> but if he hasn't logged in or applied to anything since 2006, he's not, he's not part of my meticulous abacus counting. Oh well, I, I that, find those numbers, I find those numbers very interesting though, because um, at any given show, I mean, you know, the shows that receive the most applications, I think, are in the 2,000, a little bit over 2,000 range. Um, so that means right. that 58,000 of those artists are applying to other shows and not to that show. 
um, mm-hmm. which is pretty pretty interesting. I think it says a lot to how it has spread and grown to um, shows of all different levels, artists of all different levels. Yeah, and that also, you know, that includes, you know, college programs and emerging artist programs, you know, people that sign on, they do one or two shows, they decide it's not for them, or they graduate from school and are, you know, go into another business, or they graduate from school and go into the business. You know, there's a lot of, again, it's one of those things, the factor, the factors are just so all over the place that it's really hard to have a, a specific, aha, there, this is why this is the number that it is, or this is where these artists are, or this is what they're doing. Hmm. That's 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 great. That's good information. So, Kathy, I know that you said in the last couple of years you've done some jurying. You've done both projection and monitor jurying. What yes. do those? What does that terminology mean? Well, uh, when I say monitor, it's like on a laptop, but it's not a laptop at home. Now, I've heard that there are some shows that just send the images to the artist and they're juried on their um, the individual's computer, but the one show I did was Old Town last year, and they they had all the jurors in my media. I just juried painting, but we all came that day. I think there were maybe five of us, and we juried on the laptop. So we did, each had an individual laptop and went through the... Yeah, Connie, monitor the... means computer monitor. It doesn't necessarily mean laptop only. It yeah. just means that the, the images are seen on a computer some kind of computer device versus a, a projector, a projection jury uh, more closely emulates those old slide projector days, except as Larry mentioned, you know, the projectors are all the same with the same settings in order to, to provide a, an equitable process. So, but, um, Cassie, like this monitor, this laptop jurying, did they have a way, were they all hooked up to link and show on a big screen? No, or was everybody looking at a small screen? No, when I did this other show, Crassel, which was linked up to a big screen, you just you watched the images on the large screen, but you scored on on your individual. Yeah, I've shared Crassel also, and I thought thought that was a really nice system. Yeah, Um, because even they they are working. Well, Lee, you know, does does Krasel, do they get the equipment from from Zap or do they just work with their own uh, equipment? Nope, that is the Zap um, projection That's equipment. The, the Zap projection equipment. So you mm-hmm. ship that equipment around to some of the shows. Is is there less of that than there used to be? Um, there is less of that than there used to be, although it's it's remained steady um, in the last few years. I would say it's. It's the 30 to 40, usually the top shows, usually the largest amount of applications. Um, And usually the shows, you know, Terry Adams is a great person to ask about projection jury because for him, he says there's no other way to jury Cherry Creek. He he couldn't think about, you know, doing it on, on a monitor. He just can't fathom why somebody would want to do that. And for other people you ask, you know, they have the opposite. They don't want to deal with the equipment. They prefer to still bring their judges together but have them, you know, scoring on individual computers. And, and I think it, it speaks to, you know, how ease of use and how that, that is is so different depending on the show or the show director or the number mm-hmm. of applications. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Okay. Well, in the beginning, I, that was a huh? that was a consideration um, because a lot of the directors did want to have the juries convene where they had sort of control over the whole jury process, as opposed to sending out um, and, and allowing logins. Yeah. yeah, you know, fun fact, when Zap first launched, there was not a monitor jury system. We only had projection and very quickly right. Right. had to create that, that online method of jurying by computer monitor. Right. Yeah, I mean, you could just send out your, the logins to your jury pool and say, please have your information back to us by September 15th. Right? Yep. I mean, that is a way that it, it could be ostensibly be done. Okay, with any any system, I mean that's not of your your control. That's not what you're you're not telling them how to do it. That's right. We've got that settled. You, you're not telling anybody how to do anything. You're just the system in between. I okay. know I'm bossy, but I'm not that bossy. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we go. Um, when um, Kathy, you were um, serving, you are presently serving on the ZAP Oversight Committee. What kind of a what does that mean and what are you doing? I just went to the went to their conference in Chicago to observe the programs there and then I went to their um board meeting in was it November, Leah? Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, in in Denver just for that one day to um to sit in on the board meeting and there there wasn't, you know, nothing if, first of all um you know, it was confidential, but secondly, there was nothing that I would even object to, even if it wasn't confidential. It was just, I'm sure they just wanted to have an artist kind of present. If that's truly, I don't know. Yeah, oh, actually, and Larry can speak to this. Our bylaws actually stipulate an artist's presence and overseeing the programming efforts of the system. So that Kathy is the artist member of the Oversight Committee. She is the artist representation on our our board of sorts, you know, we're a partnership, so it's not exactly the same. Um, but it's, you know, think of it like a board. Kathy is the artist member who who oversees and provides us with oversight and is a, of uh, both an ear and a voice for us in the field. Um, that's not to be confused with our artist advisors. We had an artist advisory committee um, of five to six members that we used in the early years to maintain, you know, strong communication with with the field. And that was certainly, as we've talked about, those early years, you know, those were years of change. And we were, as an industry, changing over to this digital process. And there was a lot of misconception or myth or misunderstanding. And there were a lot of needs within the field that that committee helped us to, to identify. Now, in the last few years, we've actually moved away from a formal committee. Um, you might imagine that, you know, getting a committee of six artists together who <laughs> all are free on the same day at the same time and can meet on the phone or fly to a city is near about impossible. So what we do now is we have a changing pool of about 50 artists around the country. We reach out to these artists by phone, by email, online poll. Um, we talk to these people at shows. And, and that way we can reach a wider audience of different medium categories who apply to varying types and tiers of shows. So additionally, as any artist who's ever emailed or called us knows, you know, you get a you can get a live person when you email or call Zap and so we actually do have a an internal process where whenever people contact us with suggestions, those go somewhere. 
those go up the chain. Those go to me, and then I make recommendations as to what we should improve or add, and, and those are the, the enhancements that you see every few months or as a result of that direct feedback. Right. There was a, a lot of consternation this winter about pixels or, you know, I don't follow the tech part, frankly. There, when you did this new system and things were not being projected correctly or something, you know what I'm talking about? I think uh, there was a, there was a question be. about how vertical images versus yes. horizontal images were displayed on computer monitors. Yes. Um, that was adjusted in July and then was quickly readjusted back in September. So we're actually using the same system we were using since you know, 2004, 2005, I will tell you, ensuring vertical images and that horizontal images are treated equitably is a concern. And what we're running into is the technology is changing. You know, think about that device you have in your pocket that you call a phone is a computer. How many people do you know that are on the road with iPads? Our laptops and keep getting smaller. Our desktop monitors keep getting bigger. So one of our challenges um, this year is to, to come up with with a, another new way, it's, we have to evolve in order to to be able to continue to provide an egalitarian system for all of the different technologies that are out there. You know, we're never going to be able to program for every single device, but we do the best we can to get as many things bases covered. So are you making an app? Are you creating an app? A Zap app? I'm not at liberty to say. No, um, you know, an app is something we have talked about. Um, but really, we we want to change our focus to to just um, improving the technologies that we already have right now. We will do a mobile-friendly version of the website, especially with, you know, three years ago, none of us had an iPad, and now they're ubiquitous among artists on the road. And so that is one of our our prime goals for the next few months is mm -hmm. to be able to, to release a, a more mobile-friendly site that allows artists to do even more of their business needs from the road. Right. I I have a mobile version of all of my websites now. Luckily, it wasn't. I didn't have to do it myself. That was such quite a relief. <laughs> but. Gosh. Well, okay. and this is the part um, where I remind you that we're a nonprofit with, you know, a certain <laughs> amount of resources. That would be people, time, and money. So we do the best we can. Right. There you go. Okay. Okay. Um, I couple. If I do you, Kathleen and Larry, do you have any tips for when you go to personally set up your profile, which I know has been a, in existence for a long time? Things that do you make yearly changes, Kathleen, to your profile? Well, of course, my, my newest work goes up rather than my, you know, I don't want to keep looking the same year after year. And I kind of review all the images I go through in terms of their um, uh, saturation and brightness and contrast and that sort of thing just to make sure that they're going to look as good as possible. But other than that, my um, other profile, I mean, in terms of, and my information statement, I always kind of work on that a little bit to make sure it's as good as possible. Reflects any changes and yes. yeah, uh -huh. rewriting. Exactly. Right. Uh -huh. yeah, I think Do one you, of the beauties, mm 
I think one of the beauties of the system is that your profile, except for the images, really doesn't change. And I mean, one of the things that I, you know, when we were starting this is that I, all the artists that I talk to, and Connie, you certainly know this from working with Norm, is, you know, sitting down and writing your name and address and phone number and, you know, all that information over and over and over and over and over again. Well, now you do it once and then it just automatically transfers over. So you can really do, you can concentrate your energy on the thing that's most important, which is your images. Right. Okay, so then both Kathy and Larry, how about this? Who takes, who prepares your images, Kathy? I Are you doing it yourself? No, I have a professional photographer that takes them, I, but I've got Photoshop that I can adjust them in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And your booth shot also? Oh, my booth shot I do by my, myself. Yeah, right, okay. And do you do it at a show? Yes. Yes, yes. Always, <laughs> good, good. Now, you don't set it up in the in the backyard and all that sort of stuff. Well, okay. I've done that, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> looks better if I'm at a show. It does. It, well, especially if it's a nice light. Yeah, Larry. Yeah. What about you? Do who who prepares your images? Well, I prepare my individual images pretty much um, all by myself. And um, my booth shot, which is a big question for everybody, is I generally set up separately to do my booth shot. And the reason being is that I have two-dimensional work that has glass on it, and reflections are impossible to control when you're at a show. Um, they're just really hard. They're hard enough to control when you're not at a show. Um, but when you're not at a show, you can spend the time that's necessary to try and, and, and do that better. Right. I remember, Norm, bracketing and bracketing. Do you still do that kind of thing? No. I no. do. I mean, bracketing, uh, you know, I mean, now you can pretty much, I mean, if you have a, a good meter, you can be right on the money right away. Right. Yeah. It's new new equipment. Okay. Well, this has been a lot of good information. We are running out of time. I want to say thank you so much to Kathleen Eaton, to Larry Alverson, and Leah Charney. This, you guys are full of information. I learned some things, and you actually fixed some of my misconceptions. So how about that? So thank you very much for being here. Thanks to all my listeners. Uh, we'll be posting this information from this broadcast at artfairinsiders.com, and we welcome your comments there. You can download this free podcast at iTunes in the podcast section and subscribe to it there also. If you'd review it while you are there, you would be contributing to our mission, which is supporting the success of the nation's artists. And I want to tell you, I got a review last week from somebody who said, our art fair business talks are better than the Harvard Business Review. How about that? <laughs> Quite a compliment. <laughs> I was pretty impressed. Yeah, that's why I'm quoting it. We have more interesting shows in the works with some of the nation's top art show directors and artists. On our next podcast, we'll be speaking with artists who have developed some unexpected ways to sell their paintings using social media. Not pie-in-the-sky ventures, but something accessible to any of you looking for something more. It should be very interesting and helpful to many careers. Do you have a good idea for a podcast? Let me hear from you. Connie at ArtFairCalendar.com or post it on our podcast page at AFI. Till the next time, visit ArtFairInsiders.com, tell your friends about us, like us on Facebook, go out, create, and make money. Thank you so much, everybody.